This is the fifth day of this June 2019 seven-day session. And we'll take one more day on the text we've been reading from here to four, which is a book of uh, teachings of 14th century Japanese Zen master Basui. And the name of the book is Mud and Water, translated by, by Arthur Braverman. <clears throat> Yesterday we left off with him talking about uh, this uh, devil, the conscious mind, and which I rendered as what he's really talking about is the discriminating mind, the, the conceptual mind. And then the questioner follows up. Today I realize for the first time that all these years I've been searching after a robber and treating him as my child. Maybe he means trying to find this true mind with the discriminating mind, trying to figure it out. Or maybe he means searching after a robber, um, somehow mistaking this true mind or mis- mistaking this uh, conceptual mind for our, our real mind, our true mind. Uh, Yasutani Roshi uh, somewhere uh, says if our, he held up a ballpoint pen, and he said if this represents our true mind, the conceptual mind or discriminating mind, the intellect, is no more than the tip, the little ball at the end of the pen. We, we go nowhere if we try to figure out this true mind. It can't be figured out. That's not the tool uh, with which we can see into our true mind. Is uh, this uh, this mind of discrimination? It's not going to work. No matter how how brilliant we are, uh, that function of the mind—that is, that which discriminates—is not going to get anywhere with it. That's why we have to uh, find a way to put aside this discriminating mind and and uh, draw from this vast true mind of ours. Very uh, mentally agile people, very highly intelligent people, 
um, are so used to um, managing with that that discriminating mind and succeeding and solving all kinds of problems with that discriminating mind that they go at this uh, search this this looking into the mind with the same uh, with the same discriminating mind that sometimes can take a long time because of that realizing that it's it's uh just altogether um, misguided I'll repeat the question. Today I realize for the first time that all these years I've been searching after a robber and treating him as my child. Though I may see my mistake, if I do not actually destroy this conscious mind myself, the moment of liberation will never arrive. With what expedient means will I rid myself of it? Expedient means meaning um, a method, a technique, uh, how to go about this. Expedient means always means a practical means. And Basui says, there is no particular expedient means. If you just detach from all forms in your mind and don't fall into the pit of formlessness, liberation will manifest in your body as it is right now. Let's just go over that sentence. It's an important one. If you just detach from all forms in your mind, that means thoughts, uh, images in the mind, every kind of thought form we can imagine. If we can just detach from them and don't fall into the pit of formlessness, not get stuck, bogged down in a kind of uh, void state, Liberation will manifest in your body as it is right now. And that, of course, is what the practice we're working on, the particular practice, the koan or the breath, that's, that's its purpose. That's, it is to uh, deliver us uh, out of uh, the forms, our my, our, our thought forms. And he quotes uh, Zen Master Mumon. And it's a lengthy quote. This is at the end. This quote is at the end of the Mumon Khan. He says, To obey the regulations and keep the rules is to tie yourself without a rope. Arbitrary selfishness is heresy and devilry, becoming settled and quiet while the mind exists is the heretical Zen of silent illumination. Doing as you will, neglecting relationships, you fall into the deep pit of liberation. Let's just stop there and rewind here a bit. He says to obey the regulations and keep the rules is to tie yourself without a rope. Naturally, he's not calling for anarchy in the monastery. He's pointing out that one can become attached to them, and they become uh, 
it's kind of a, a, a false refuge of just uh, seeing nothing more to the monastic life than uh, obeying regulations and rules. It's a start. It's necessary, but not sufficient. Becoming settled and quiet while the mind exists. In other words, sitting quietly while the the discriminating mind goes on uh, making mischief is uh, a mistake. Doing as you will, neglecting relationships, you fall into the deep pit of liberation. Doing as you will, neglecting relationships, that is, uh, not recognizing uh, others and... uh, just you know, out of self-centeredness, doing whatever you want to do. There was a time uh, not long ago when I saw a commercial on TV uh, where they were exalting a certain type of person. They, I believe it was maybe a car commercial, and they were obviously marketing it to uh, a certain type of uh, person who fancied himself or herself as uh, being... Um, beyond uh, conventional rules. Uh, and it said, you do this, you do that. And then it said, you, you make your own rules. Ah, how noble. To be clever and clear-headed is to be tied in chains, to be bound in shackles. To think of good and bad is to dwell in the temples of heaven and hell. Yeah, this is one of the biggest forms of bondage we can uh, encounter, dividing the world into good and bad, right and wrong. Fixed views of the Buddha and the Dharma enclose you in the two iron mountains. There's a footnote here. Just may have some slight interest to people. Uh, According to Buddhist mythology, there are nine mountain ranges around around Mount Sumeru, the center of the universe. The outermost range, the two iron mountains, symbolizes the borders of the universe. The two iron mountains uh, reminds me, just all of a sudden right now, of a point I would get to in Sashin, working on Mu, where it seemed that um, the the stronger the effort I made, the stronger came the resistance. It felt like a a real cul-de-sac, a complete bind. Until they both dissolved. It's just a particularly uh, nasty 
um, illu- mental illusion that there's this opposing force out there that is trying to uh, block one. Fixed views of the Buddha and Dharma. This is uh, really so insidious. We, when we have acquired some learning about the Dharma, we get these ideas without even realizing it. These ideas settle into the mind about what is and what isn't. This is the way things are. And Zen, Zen recognizes that danger, that trap. And, uh, and here Zen Master Mumon is uh, trying to throw some uh, some antidote to ideas like that. For example, uh, about not just limiting yourself to obeying the regulations and the rules, and uh, this idea about becoming settled and quiet uh, as also potentially a trap, uh, to be clever and clear-headed we would think ordinarily, well, that's good, we want to be clear-headed, but this is not what that means. This is a kind of uh, brilliance, mental brilliance, uh, that can be an obstruction. He goes on, One who has an instant awakening from an arising thought is sporting with spirits. Uh, obviously he couldn't be talking about real, true uh, realization, something else, some maybe a, uh, a psychological or philosophical insight. Meditation in complete stillness is an activity of the devil. In other words, not to get attached to stillness. When you advance, you are deluded by Buddhist principles. When you retreat, you act contrary to Buddhist teachings. When you can neither advance nor retreat, you are a breathing corpse. Now, how on earth can you practice this after all? He's taking away every kind of prop that we use to defend this discriminating mind, every kind of acquisition that we uh, might draw from, all of which are unnecessary and unhelpful. It's not about acquired knowledge. It's about letting go of everything. He goes on, if you practice and realize this now in this way, you will comprehend the great matter of life and death. If, however, you become obstructed by the theory and do not penetrate the gate of the patriarchs, you will sink in the sea of delusion through eternity. This is why the ancients, arousing their fearless aspiration, spent 20, 30, 40 years, even their whole lives, 
refraining from lying down, forgetting to sleep or eat, practicing single-mindedly, applying spiritual energy in response to the occasion, looking penetratingly into their own nature, and hence realizing the light of their own spiritual essence. All karmic hindrances are founded in this discriminating mind, and this so-called discriminating mind is founded in Buddha nature. So even this discriminating mind that bedevils us so much with its illusions of separation, dualism, otherism, even that itself is not other than this original nature, this Buddha nature. Nothing is outside this Buddha nature. You can't find a thing It's not part of this Buddha nature. karmic hindrances are founded in this conceptual mind. Think of uh, Hakuin, the cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. Ego is a, is a word that always makes me flinch because uh, it, it tends to create an entity out of nothing. Because in fact, the ego is a word, but there's nothing to it. There is no small self. There's no little man, little woman who's doing all these things, making our life miserable. What we call the ego is uh, just some uh, congealed uh, habit energy. It's, it's just thoughts. It's thoughts of all kinds, thought forms. Memories, a lot of it's based on memories. Um, Associations. We see how... How, how relational the so-called self is when we uh, find ourselves in uh, situations or, or contexts that we're not used to and we find ourselves behaving differently. It's, it's a lot of how we are, how we act and speak and react is based on our, our surroundings, our, our uh, causes and conditions. Everyone knows that uh, people, when they, for example, when they travel, they can do things, foolish things, when they're on the road in a hotel somewhere. They, they would never do ordinarily in their own home city. So, who is the, which is the true self there? Which is the real person? There is no real person that, that is uh, 
not subject to changes and causes and conditions. The self is relational. It's, it, it, it appears uh, in relation to others. Well, there's a lot, of course, with someone who's, who's of sound mind and, and character, there's a, there's a lot of continuity. There's consistency in how one uh, acts and reacts, uh, whatever the situation may be. But there can be subtle differences. As anyone knows who goes home and visits their family, uh, how, how they can re- resort to uh, reacting in ways that they wouldn't ordinarily do uh, on, their, on their own in their, their home place. This uh, fluid nature of the self is itself kind of a uh, proof of the permeable nature of the self, that there is no hard and fixed, unchanging self. We are affected by those with whom we associate. It's a... It can be quite sobering to recognize this and uh, important to um, have the humility to recognize that there's no um, absolutely fixed uh, virtuous self um, that can't be affected by the wrong uh, associating with the wrong people. He goes on, Zen Master Rinzai, Linji, said, I do not hold on to the worldly or the sacred without, nor do I dwell on the substance within. I see penetratingly and harbor no mistaken doubt. And then Vasui comments, Just look sharply during the four dignified activities. Now, this is just a... a Conventional way they had of meaning, and whatever you whatever you're doing, walking, standing, sitting, lying down, during the four dignified activities in response to relationships and conditions. This is the other the other side of the coin that we do want to uh, adapt to conditions, to circumstances, and uh, respond appropriately. And then he says, hitting upon each opportunity, kill the mind that functions in that moment as you would an enemy met on a narrow road. Be like one who not only tries to smother a fire, but immediately pours water on the warm ash. If even a fine hair were left unslain, you would be cast away in the world of life and death turning inward, turning outward, destroying everything completely, you will, for the first time, begin to achieve the proper results. Yeah, these images of destroying and slaying. In practical terms, uh, there's, not, there's not any kind of battle we're waging against ourselves, against the mind. We don't need to just need not to feed this 
discriminating mind with our attention. All in, in all circumstances, we have a choice between attending, that is, engaging with this conceptual mind or not. And by not engaging with it, we are uh, really taking the life out of it. There's a koan in the Blue Cliff Record. When a single particle of dust is raised, the nation is established. When no particle of dust is raised, the nation disappears. Nation being self slash world. They are mutually conditioning this self and the world. See, is anyone knows who, uh, just in the brief second or two when, upon waking, uh, there's nothing at all until self and world co-emerge. Just an example here. Hitting upon each opportunity, kill the mind that functions in that moment. Uh, most most common example would be to uh, when the mind of preferences of likes and dislikes arises uh, to uh, redirect our attention away from it. I think back to. Uh, um, this advice I gave a few days ago about Keenheen. Uh, let's say, let's imagine that you're in the Keenheen line and you're kind of tired of being in the Zendo and uh, sitting or standing so formally. So the thought comes up, uh, it would be nice to go out and uh, just out into the hallway and check things out, uh, look around, get a different different view of things sip a little water so I'm not just wandering aimlessly, maybe maybe gaze out into the courtyard, uh, just check things out, just check things out, just check things out. <laughs> this is, this is uh, feeding this discriminating mind, checking out forms, different forms that then uh, stimulate thoughts. After I made this announcement about Keen, this uh, warning about uh, about not missing the opportunity to use Keening as an extension of sitting, um, later, uh, a 
few days later or after Sashin or a week after Sashin, I got this uh, email from one of the participants at the Sashin. Uh, in an email was this, one note on Sashin I wanted to mention. Thank you so much for making the announcement near the beginning of Sashin about not stopping at the water table unnecessarily during keening. I will admit I had become guilty of doing this also. It had an immediate and dramatic effect personally and collectively. There was much greater continuity in practice when I stayed in the line and, even more dramatically, the entire atmosphere of the Sashin felt like it changed. The water table had really become just like a place to hang out and take a break for many folks, the worst thing one can do. Having most everyone in the line most of the time and not just loitering around the table really helped me. I'm quite sure it helped others also. How could it not? So there are myriad opportunities uh, throughout the day where we can, as he says, we hit upon opportunities to kill the mind, which again means not stoking this uh, mind that divides into uh, likes and dislikes. He goes on, realize that all form is apparition and stop calculating. Realize that all views are delusion and kill the Buddha when he appears in your mind and the patriarchs when they appear in your mind and ordinary people when they appear in your mind. Destroy the world when it appears and the void when it appears. At this time, though you may understand all the worlds in the ten directions to be simply the one diamond essence, you will still fall into the trap of attachment to dharma. Those who go beyond the ranks of ordinary people, to the contrary, fall into the trap of considering themselves sages. Again, he's warning one thing after another. He's checking one box after another. All the little machinations of the mind, the, the ways that we can deceive ourselves and, and, uh, and uh, ambush ourselves. Though you cut off thoughts of both ordinary people and sages, though you do not stop before the cold, withered tree, though you cross the bright, moonlit river and pass through the land of darkness, if you think you have realized the mysterious functioning of the extraordinary, you, may, you still may not let go of attachment to your ability. Every step of the way, every little victory we, we can find in this um, battle to let go of, of stuff in the mind, every time there is this, this risk of the mind appropriating that little victory and patting itself on the back, Forgetting the true flavor of the Buddhas and patriarchs and not realizing the universal essence, you sojourn in the cold ashes of the long smothered fire, having yet to become intimate with the teachings. 
Yeah, I got three footnotes we can um, read here. These very vivid images. Here, what he's doing, we don't have to understand everything he's saying uh, in some kind of a um, ex- precise way. He's he's warning about states of mind that we can get caught in. This, uh, though you do not stop before the cold, withered tree, um, the withered tree stands for the quiet, empty mind. In other words, not getting uh, caught there. Though you cross the bright, moonlit river and pass through the land of darkness, it says... um, Oh, that's the world of relativity, the world of light and darkness, that is, the world of duality. And then you sojourn in the cold ashes of the long smothered fire, uh, having no passion for the way. Do you wish to penetrate directly? And be free. When I am talking like this, many people are listening. Quickly, look at the one who is listening to this talk. Who is she who is listening right now? If, for example, you were to conclude that it is the mind, nature, Buddha, or the way, if you were to call it the principle, the matter, the non-transmitted teaching of the Buddhas and patriarchs, the wonderful miracle, the occult, the mysterious, form, or emptiness, if you were to understand it to be existence and nothingness, non-existence, non-nothingness, the absence of non-existence, or the absence of non-nothingness. That's where they lose me. If, <laughs> if, you were, if you were to conclude that it is eons of emptiness before creation or consider it the understanding of koans, no mind, or non-interference, you would still be mixed up ordinary people who haven't left the path of reason. In other words, every single word and concept is a trap. Everything is a possibility of our getting attached. And not just words and concepts. Now he turns to uh, learned activities. If, moreover, you were to make a fist and raise a finger, clap your hands and remain silent, launch into an explanation according to your understanding, or present the main point as you see it, you would be nothing more than a fellow trifling with spirits, a ghost clinging to the bushes and weeds. When nothing you try applies, what is it that does, after all, listen to the Dharma? If you can't answer, you get 30 blows. If you do answer, you still get 30 blows. How can you manage to avoid suffering these blows? Well, This uh, reference to a ghost clinging to the bushes and weeds is one that 
Uh, we f- can see in uh, the Three Pillars of Zen and Yastani Roshi's commentary on the Koan Mu, where uh, he likens someone who is uh, who uh, clings to concepts as a, having a kind of a ghost, a ghostly existence, because in Japan and China, ghosts are are seen as having no real uh, existence, but they depend on uh, their surroundings and clinging to bushes and weeds. people listening to this can appreciate the spirit and what the real meaning uh, is behind Basui's talking about destroying this, destroying that. Um, it's, uh, he's not the only one. Many of the masters have used this uh, vivid uh, language to sp- speak to the kind of Vigor is required to not be pulled into this discriminating mind all the time. Uh, with a great uh, Chinese master, Obaku Wang Bo from, uh, I don't know, 7th century, roughly. He put it this way, Were you now to practice keeping your minds motionless at all times, whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, concentrating entirely upon the goal of no thought creation, no duality, no reliance on others, and no attachments, just allowing all things to take their course the whole day long, as though you were too ill to bother unknown to the world, innocent of any urge to be known or unknown to others, with your minds like blocks of stone that mend no holes, then all the dharmas would penetrate your understanding through and through. In a little while you would find yourselves firmly unattached. Thus, for the first time in your lives, you would discover your reactions to phenomena decreasing and ultimately you would pass beyond the triple world and people would say that a Buddha had appeared in the world. Pure and passionless knowledge, I would say wisdom, he really means, implies putting an end to the ceaseless flow of thoughts and images. For in that way, you stop creating the karma that leads to rebirth. Uh, these couple of phrases here, um, making your mind like blocks of stone and saying um, you would find your reactions to phenomena decreasing. This is an actual progression that one can just get a little 
little sense of in Sashin. As we move deeper into Sashin, there is a kind of turning inward, a um, muting, a muting of the chatter of the mind, and a sense of a kind of withdrawing from uh, all the sense stimuli that otherwise we might be uh, reacting to. I'm trying to put words on what everyone surely experiences as we move from day five and day six and on is a Quieting, where the the so-called external world does not affect us in the same way, is a kind of uh, integrity or in, even invulnerability that we can uh, find coming over us. We're not bothered by things in the same way. We're not tempted by things in the same way. Captivated. is all just a natural um, progression into deeper concentration that inevitably comes when we're sitting 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Things start shutting down. It's things that, that obscure, obstruct this mind, our true mind. Stop now and recite the four vows. Measure 
I bow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I bow to attain all beings without number. I bow to liberate endless blind passions. I bow to the Dharma gaze beyond measure. I bow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I bow to attain all beings without number. I bow to liberate endless blind passions. I bow Dharma gaze beyond measure. I bow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I bow to attain. <laughs>